Hi everyone, welcome to the second episode of Science 101, in which we will be talking again about earthquakes, one of Earth's most amazing features. Before actually starting the podcast, we're going to do a little review of what we saw in the last podcast. The main things. These are that the Earth is composed of layers. The crust, the mantle, and the core. The upper mantle along the crust form a geological unit we call lithosphere, which is solid. On the other side, in the mantle, we can find the stenosphere, which is a plastic-like liquid which moves all around. The lithosphere is not only one piece, but is rather made up of, uh, of several pieces called plate tectonics. These plate tectonics are constantly moving due to the movement of the stenosphere, which drives the plate to move around 7 centimeters a year. These movements are the ones that cause earthquakes. Why? Because sometimes when two earthquakes are moving along a fault or the border between the plate, some parts get stuck because plate tectonics have rough rough edges. And when they get stuck, the other part of the plate keeps moving and moving until in certain moment it it slaps free. two stuck places slaps free, generating waves, which are these types of waves, the P and S waves. These P and S waves are the ones that cause the earth to shake, to the earth to shake. And that's the little summary we needed to do first about earthquakes. Well, in this podcast, we're going to talk another things about earthquakes, more specific things. First, I'm going to explain a little further what convection is. Convection is the phenomena which causes the mantle and the stenosphere to keep moving, the liquid within it, and thus that causes the movement of plate tectonics and earthquakes. Well, convection happens all around the world. It, it, mainly, it happens because of density. Because, but before explaining it, we have to know one thing. As deeper you go into the earth, hotter it becomes. So we start like this. In the lower parts of the mantle, it is very hot, very hot, which causes the solid solid rocks to melt and be a fluid liquid. And because solid and because liquid has less density than solid, it floats back to the upper part of the mantle. But in the upper part of the mantle, the temperature decreases. It is colder, we can say. So as it is colder, this liquid cools down and as it cools down it comes back to be a solid becoming a solid it it goes and sinks back into the lower parts of the mantle where it is heated again and turned into a liquid turned back to the top where it is cooled and then back down that is a process we know as convection but 
Why does being hotter means being liquid? Because mainly being liquid is just the molecules within a solid, within a material moving very fast, very fast, very fast. While the solid is the movement is when the molecules within the material are steady. They do not move as much as a liquid. And in the gas, they are moving all around, all around, all around. Well, that is what convection actually is. Well, now that we already explained convection, we're going to talk about another thing. This thing is what are faults and what types of faults. As we saw in the previous podcast, earthquakes occur along faults. Well, faults are places where blocks of rock break one another. Usually, they are located between the border of plate tectonics. These faults are the ones where earthquakes occur. There are three types of faults. First, the normal fault, when one piece of the rock of the rocks goes down and separates from from the other. The second one is the strike slip fault that occurs when rocks along one side of the fault move horizontally along the fault. Most earthquakes occur along the strike slip faults. And the last one is a thrust fault or reverse fault that results when rocks on one side of the, th- of the fault are shoved on top of the rocks on the other side, which is the opposite to a normal fault. In the normal fault, one, of pi- one piece of rock sinks, and in the thrust fault, one of piece of rocks is shoved upon the other. Now we're going to talk about some earthquake terminology. First, we're going to talk about the science which study earthquakes, seismology. Seismology includes seismographs, sensors, and everything related to earthquakes, even the study of even sometimes the study of plate tectonics. And it includes also seismic waves. Talking about seismic waves, seismic waves are the waves that produces the ground rupture of rocks, what we know as an earthquake. All, all types of earthquakes, aftershock, main shocks, and foreshocks produce seismic waves. The two main types of seismic waves are P and S waves. Seismic waves are the ones that cause the earth to shake. And last but not least, we're going to talk about what are the different types of plate tectonic movement. Last time we mentioned that the cause of most earthquakes is faulting. Faulting occurs because of the movement of plate tectonic, but there is not only one movement, but rather three types of movement. The first movement is divergent, that occurs when two plates separate from each other or get a wave. This produces new crust, new land, and produces a phenomenon we know as a ridge. It, now, the second, time, the second type is convergent. Convergent as is when two plates move toward each other, colliding, producing two things. First of all, subduction that causes a trench and, volcan- and volcanic arcs 
near the trench, and second, the, pro the, pro the production of, of folded mountains. And last but not least is transform movement. Transform movement is when two pl plates move laterally to each other, but in different directions. One moves to one direction and the other to the another, but laterally. This, produce, this produces what we know as a strike-slip fault. And as we mentioned earlier, most earthquakes occur in strike-slip faults. Thus, the movement that causes most earthquakes are is the transform movement. We have to say that both the divergent and convergent movement also causes some seismic activity producing volcanoes, but the main cause of the main movement that causes earthquakes is the transform one. Well, now we're going to talk about the consequences of earthquakes. Last time we saw that the earthquakes caused tsunamis and, and some volcanic activity that may continue into a volcanic eruption due to the seismic activity within the earth. But there are other consequences. The first, the most notable is ground rupture that occurs along the fault when it is that one piece of rock one piece of rock breaks from one another. The second one is landslides and avalanches. Landslides and avalanches occurs when the shaking of the earth makes a piece, a big piece of rock or earth comes down, down, down. A famous example was in Santa Tecla and Santa Tecla, El Salvador. The other is liquidation or liquefaction. What is liquefaction? Liquefaction is when the sediment grains are literally made to float in groundwater, which causes the soil to lose all its solidity, acting as a liquid rather than a solid. What does this mean? This means that the shaking of all the earth causes the solid blocks of earth to behave more like a liquid. This is very dangerous because it means that acid acts like the liquid, buildings near it or roads, most roads may break one apart. They will make, they break heavily and also it may it may cause the buildings or constructions to tilt into several angles another example of liquid liquefaction was in chile when a when due to liquefaction a building turned into a 75 degrees angle the other is the deviation of rivers flow and direction. What does this mean? This means that the shaking of the earth and the liquefaction may cause the rivers flow or the rivers volume to change. This is one very dangerous. As an example, a long very time, a very time ago, the Hindus River Valley civilization may have extinct due to that an earthquake may May, may have deviated the flow of the river and its direction. Another thing is fires. Usually after earthquake we can find 
fires in cities or forestal fires. This is due because some gas is released and when it reaches an inflammable material, it may cause a fire and very destructive things. Another thing are horse and graphens. Graphen, horse and graphens are the following. Horse is when one piece of when one piece of rocks is thrown above above the other part while graphene is when the part is thrown below this occurs in a series it is not only one place it occurs along the fault and it goes like this a horse is thrown up into the earth while a graphene is thrown down and then the horse is thrown up and graphene is thrown down The last consequence I'm going consequence I'm going to talk about is subsidence. Subsidence is when sand blows or sand volcanoes form when pressurized jets of groundwater break through the surface. They can spray mud and sand over an area of a few meters across. This means that when in an earthquake, all the shaking sometimes causes the most times causing the earth to break due to the due to ground rupture, landslides, or liquefaction. When this solid ground breaks, somewhere groundwater may break through it, may be pressurized. It's like it is thrown above, and this water may cause sand, sand, mud, or sand volcano to spray all over. Another famous example of this was in California, where a where subsidence through a sand a sa through sand all around for a diameter of 10 meters. These are the most common consequences of what we know as earthquakes. Now I'm going to talk about a mystery of earthquakes. There has been recorded and has been seen since ancient times, since the Greeks, that there have been mysterious bluish lights, white or gr white, greenish bluish lights that occurs before or during an earthquake. Scientists are not sure about this, but they have two hypotheses. The first one is that during the earthquake, the friction that released the friction that is released when the two pieces of rocks slaps one another is so big that it manifests in forms of lights. In these lights, it is shown in light because of the great energy that the friction produces. But this is not so likely. But the main hypothesis that that main hypothesis that scientists have are the follow is the following that shifting grains surrounding faults in the earth may generate an electric charge this means that when the earth shakes and there are small grains uh, small grains around the fault they may shake so much that it may produce a electric charge this strange flickering known as earthquake lights light is one of the mysteries although this second hypothesis is the most likely to occur well 
Now we're going to talk about the elastic rebound theory and why earthquakes are so hard to predict. The elastic rebound theory is the theory that states that earth, that the rocks between that rocks in a fault are constantly be, are constantly bending slowly, and because they are bending slowly, they do not break because they only break if a great strain force is applied. So these rocks are bending are bended slowly for many years. But the bending is too gradual to be noticed. Eventually, the strain becomes too great, and when the strain is great enough, the rocks rip violently, violently causing earthquakes. This is the process that occurs along a fault that causes earthquake to occur, and after the earthquake, the bending of the rocks disappears. Then we're going to talk about why earthquakes are hard, so hard to predict. The first one is because of the elastic rebound theory. As it says, that bending of these rocks is so gradual, so slow that it cannot be per- that it cannot be followed. It cannot be tracked by scientists. Also, because each type of rock ap- reacts different to earthquakes. Some rip faster, some rip slowly, some in earth, some due to earthquakes became hot due to magma, some cold. They are different. Another factor is that they move so slowly and there are so many edges that are stuck between each other that they cannot be predicted. There are many, many factors which are which have to do why earthquakes cannot be predicted but although they cannot be predicted they can be anticipated this is where sensors comes in for example near mexico city a place that is very vulnerable to earthquakes there are a lot of sensors that feel the seismic waves and alarm the people to have so they have three one to two minutes to get out of buildings before the earthquake actually reaches the city that's why earthquakes are so hard to predict because there are so many factors involved sometimes the current of the phenosphere may change although they are mostly constant the types of rock the things that are above the rocks how they move how we can predict how these plate tectonics move all these factors contribute that in the actual world we do not know in the future that earthquakes cannot be predicted well i hope you have enjoyed to this point the podcast and we're coming to an end but before that we're going to end this podcast by saying which are the 10 strongest earthquakes that had been recorded remember that this is not exact because the earthquakes had only been recorded since the 1900s but before we have no record well we had the, fir- the most powerful earthquake was it occurred in the 22nd of May in 1916 in Chile. 
Valdivia, having a magnitude of 9.5. The second one occurred on March 28th of 1964 in Prince William Sound, Alaska, having a magnitude of 9.2. The third one occurred in December and the 26th of December 2004 of the west coast of northern Sumatra in Indonesia, having a magnitude of 9.1. The four occurred in the 4th of November of 1952 in the peninsula of Kamchatka, Russia, having a magnitude of 9. This earthquake of Kamchatka caused, sev caused several volcanic activity, since the peninsula is a volcanic one. The fifth one occurred in 13 of August 1968 in, Ari in Arica, Peru, now part of Chile, which had a magnitude of 9. The sixth one occurred in the 26th of January in, in, once in the 1700s in the North Pacific coast of America, having a magnitude of 9. This is only estimated. This is only estimated. This seventh one was in the 26-27 February of 2010 in Bio Bio, Chile, Chile, having a magnitude of 8.8. Interestingly, interestingly, this earthquake occurred very, very close to the one in Bolivia. The next one occurred in the 13 January of 1906 in the coast of Ecuador, having a magnitude of 8.8. The ninth one occurred in the 1st of November of 1755 in Lisbon, having a magnitude of 8.7. There have been medieval records we have said this earthquake totally devastated Lisbon, being one of the strongest in on the strongest in all of Europe. And the tenth one occurred in the 15th of August of 1915 in Assam, Tibet, having a magnitude of 8.6. Definitely, definitely, we can see that earthquakes cause a lot of damage. Being, for my opinion, this the one that caused most damage, the one in Lisbon and Valdivia, Chile. Well, we're coming to an end, but before, before finishing the podcast, I want to say to mention the most famous fault, rich and trash. The most famous fault, as I think you know, is the San Andreas. The most famous rich is the Trans or Mid-Atlantic Ridge, and the most famous trench is the one located between the Nazca Plate and the South American Plate, that is a product of the Andes Mountain. Talking about the, the Andes Mountain, as you notice, most of Earth as most of earthquakes of the most powerful earthquakes occur in the Andes Mountain, meaning that the Andes Mountain in Central America is a hotspot for earthquake. Also, another hotspot is the Indonesian islands and all the all those islands in the Southeast Asia. Thus, South the Southeast Asia Islands and the Andes Mountains are the most are the hotspot for the most powerful earthquakes. Well, I finish. Hope you enjoy it and stay safe. Goodbye. <laughs>